I can't get away from the song, you know, and Jesus was there. I've, I've had three weeks of Jesus was there. Uh, three weeks ago on a Friday or Saturday, our, my stepdad, who literally raised me from a young child, him and my mom got married um, when I was very young, and um, he has been my dad for these some... 50 years I suppose and uh, it's uh, it's been a very trying situation um, knowing that he had a stroke and it was due to a heart issue and he uh, was unsafe going in the hospital it was very very um, I don't know weighs heavy on you and yet Jesus was there he made a profession of faith and trust in Christ while in ICU um, the Saturday morning following the stroke on Friday. And uh, you say, Preacher, you believe in deathbed professions? Well, I, I guess Jesus did. He saved a thief on the cross, you know. And you say, well, what about the sinner's prayer? I don't know. All he said was, remember me. You know, it's the intent of the heart. It has nothing to do with the prayer. Or, um, not that that's wrong because the Bible says confess with your mouth, you know, and so that's, and then, I don't know, uh, he's there a week, and we find out he's contracted COVID while he's in ICU, and yet Jesus was there, you know, he's he's out of ICU and, and moved to a COVID floor, and and from there now he's back, you know, in, in an intermediate care where um, they're just dealing with his heart issue, and so it's, Jesus is there, and that's all I can say. And then, you know, I have a funeral this past Friday of a close friend that was a friend of our family for life. Wow. Um, Todd Seitz and his dad and my grandparents and his grandparents go back a long way. Um I remember, and many of you will not, um, when Sites Grocery um, was across from Rockwood Church, and um, my grandparents got paid once a month um, because they were in the dairy business, and you got a milk check once a month. Johnny Smith would know what that's like to try to, you know, make that last a month and run a business because that's what the, the dairy business was and yet keep a family and toddy sites and um, Billy run a tab for our family in that store because we needed groceries weekly and couldn't afford it, you know, and he carried us. And so it was a, you know, it's... It's just a blessing whenever, um, you know, Taze had asked if we'd do Todd's funeral. And I'm, uh, to me, that's a blessing and an honor. So, uh, so but Jesus was there and um, had two friends um, that, unsure of their spiritual condition, um, come and made professions to me and asked me um, if I would baptize them sometime in the near future. They want to 
either do it in the ocean or in the creek. And I said, can we do that and drag it out at Myrtle Beach for a couple, three months, you know, maybe do one and then I'll have to stay here. Uh, but, you know, it, it, and people that, you know, you never know, I hear all the time, I've heard it two or three times this week, you never know who your life is having an influence on um, from folks in your past. And so that's why you you always want to um, just be Jesus there in their life. That's all I can tell you. Uh, we are in week 32, I think 39 overall. Michael has had six or seven of these messages and this is uh, this week it's the Gentiles minister to the Jews. If you if you look at the early church, it was all a bunch of Jewish disciples that were reaching out to not just Jewish people, but reaching out to the Gentiles. And then Romans chapter 15, verses 25 through 33, the, the, the Gentile church um, is going to reach back and, and help the Jews. And that's what our text um, from Romans is today is these Gentiles ministering to the Jewish church and that, that James pastored um, literally in Jerusalem. And Paul, in this text, he had been circling the Mediterranean. He had had a couple missionary journeys and he desires to go back to Jerusalem to take a gift, a special offering from a couple churches, from the Gentile churches, literally that was in Greece, and to to suffering Jewish saints that are in Jerusalem. And that's where this text is, and we want to read it now in its entirety. Romans 15, verses 25 through 33. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore... When I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come to the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea, back in Israel, who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. There's really a whole lot in here that, unless you understand what was taking place, um, but if you go and uh, to if you and we're not going to turn there, I'll just have to take it for granted. Go home, read it yourself, which is the title of this series. Um, There are details of this recorded visit in Second Corinthians chapters eight and nine, and the gift that 
is stated as an expression of love on the part of the Gentiles to these believing Jewish brethren back in Jerusalem. And Paul had led the persecution um, of this Jewish church, the, the first church, the, the early church in, in Israel, in, in Jerusalem. And now, in, if you read the fine detail, he wants to make up to them by bringing this monetary gift that he's taking from Greece around the Mediterranean. I mean, you know, whether, and, and we know now by reading the scriptures that it caused Paul a lot of grief. He was, uh, in fact, captured um, by the, the Jews and shipwrecked and all that transpires from this wanting to take an offering back really is the beginning of the demise of Paul and, and his ministry. And so he wants to make up. It states in Acts 24, um, now after these many years, I am bringing you on. So it, it was a big deal because it's documented in two or three different books of the Bible, Paul going back to Jerusalem from this missionary journey, actually putting his life at risk. And, and, you know, uh, and it, it obviously was very important to him, especially to make this lengthy journey. You know, it, it's not like he got in a car and drove to Florida. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about um, on foot travel um, or, or by some form of horseback or even if he sailed across the Mediterranean. It, it was not an easy journey. And so that's evidence of the importance it was for him, especially, especially returning where he, he felt, you read it in that, you know, he, because he says, you know, that, that in Jerusalem I may be accepted. And, and so he, he, he's, he, he felt like he's going to be arrested. And in fact, that is indeed what happens. And he spends two years in a prison in Caesarea as a result of taking this money back. So there's so much here that when you go to investigate it, it's really more than just, well, I've got an offering and I'm taking it to the church in Jerusalem which is what you're, you know, we're really led to believe. But I'm sure he was doing this to unite these Gentile brethren with these Jewish brethren of the church because um, and back then there were still Judaizers that, that wanted to destroy Paul's ministry of grace that he was taking around the world. Um, this is actually foreign mission in reverse, so to speak. And Paul is risking his own safety, uh, living by faith, by placing him, himself in the hands of his enemies, so to speak, and, and who are going to have him arrested whenever he shows up. And I'm, I'm sure, though, that he felt he was paying a debt and making things right. Well, if we could get Christians to feel some of that guilt and, and conviction, uh, it, it, it'd make for a better world. Um, but, you know, he, he, he had it in his heart, restitution. You know, I, I say there's a whole lot, uh, you know, 
and I have these four R's. I have a lot of letters, four C's, five R's, you know. But there's more to getting caught remorse than just repentance. There's a thing called restitution that is making it right, and that's what Paul is doing here. Along with his remorse for what he had, his persecution of the church, and along with his repentance, he's making restitution by going back and taking this offering because the, the church in Jerusalem was suffering, and he, he considered these Gentiles, if you read what was stated there, he considered these Gentile Christians as debtors to the Jews. Christ was a Jew. The, the salvation had come through the Jews. We, we've, we've been taught through the scriptures. And we Christians today, in reality, ought to feel, you know, that, that same consideration also to the Jews. Uh, Anti-Semitism ha- has no place in the life of a Christian. And, uh, oh, <laughs> wow, I-, I wish this country, uh, our younger generation understood this concept. The, the stuff that happens in the political realms in this day and age that takes place in our Congress, um, they just forgot, you know, about the Jewish nation and that that is God's chosen people. And the, the, the only criticism I, I get, and, and I'll, I'll get something this week, someone will say something, but the only criticism that I've received via Facebook through the years um, comes from making statements similar to these about the Jewish people. Someone inevitably says something, you know, to me or th- uh, texts something to me, but folks, I'm telling you right now, we need to pray for the salvation and well-being of the Jewish nation. And, and that's what Paul is doing here, is taking a gift from two churches in Greece back to the Jews um, and, and what he feels of paying a debt. The, the ministry of giving, when, when the fruit of the Spirit, and, and let's bring this into, uh, you know, let, let's, let's don't just talk about history here, but let's, let's talk about giving. When the fruit of the Spirit flows through a church, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control, love, when, when that fruit of the Spirit flows through a church, then, and, and, and those folks are right with God in, in, in Big Branch Church, and they stay focused on reaching the lost with the gospel, there's two aspects. Right with God, the fruit of the Spirit's going to be present, and they're reaching the lost. Folks can be right with God and not reaching the lost. Folks can be right with God and not reaching the lost. It's not their focus. But when folks are right with God and reaching the lost and, and the, with the gospel, then God will provide where he guides through the people. It, uh, Paul stated that there is but one God in this passage in 1 Corinthians 8, and, and, and he deals with this, but he says we've got to preach the gospel. So there's more to just living a righteous life 
and, and doing what's right, it also has to entail preaching the gospel. And I can tell you that um, when, when folks are right with God, uh, uh, or when, uh, let, let me rephrase that, when folks are twice tight-fisted with their money, in a church, and the offering is not what it should be. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to, to look at folks' jobs, know what you make based on per capita of what the statistics are, and know what the offering ought to be. I mean, that, that's easy if, if folks are giving, tithing like they should. But the fact of the matter is 3% of the people give 90% of the money in a church. Amen or oh me, that's just the facts of the matter. That's, that's what, that's what the, the Southern Baptist denomination put out in statistics way back, and it has not changed through the years. That, that's kind of sad when you think about it. That means one in every three sitting here this morning really give what, you know, is, is donated. Um, I, I would hope we're, we're, we're running ahead of those statistics, but I haven't preached and, and I, I get asked by uh, our board occasionally has said, you know, you need to talk about giving. And the individual says, I have not preached on the need to give in this church one time in 13 years. That doesn't mean I don't talk about giving. It doesn't mean that I don't say something. Um, uh, in April 2008, when I came here, Brother Dave had a vision, and God has blessed by faith of, that, of the faithful in this church. And, and he has met every need since. Every need since. I've seen this church raise over $100,000 among 60 people in one service pledge that much money when we were raising money to buy and build this building. And we're not talking about from, from wealthy folks. We're talking about just ordinary people. And, and God has blessed us above and beyond. Even over the past two years, we've, we've seen churches folding, having to, to, to do some astronomical things to make their... Door, leave their doors open. And God has blessed us. We've bought property and, and we have in fact saved money in the last two years. Now that doesn't mean it's always been <laughs> Pam's back there going, yeah, there's been skinny times here where we wondered how we was going to pay salaries and how we had to move to, to make sure that our bills were paid. But God's always supplied our needs. God has always blessed. And when folks are right with God, then you don't have financial problems in a church. It's usually a spiritual problem whenever folks are not giving correctly. And I, it's just above and beyond what is expected or even envisioned takes place here in, in this building Week in and week out. We missed a service. There's been times we couldn't miss a service because we were living from payday to payday or week to week on givings here. And yet I'm, 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 I'm prayerful. When we canceled the service last week because of the weather, 
I'm, I'm, I'm prayerful that you just continue to give through push pay because our bills are still the same for the month of January as they were whether we had services or whether we didn't. And, and our missionaries on foreign fields rely on us. They're, they're living payday to payday. And, and so if, if the people of the church, um, as these churches did, in, in those two churches in Greece, then they were giving back to, to the Jewish church that in fact had spawned out of Jerusalem and ministered to them through the Apostle Paul and Peter and others. There was also discussion here of a message of grace. Unfortunately, there were Jews who opposed the message of grace out of that church and other uh, churches throughout Israel. And, and they didn't want it to go to the Gentiles. In fact, they wanted the Gentiles to be circumcised and become Jews and accept Jewish law and live under the law. And they were labeled, these people were Judaizers. Um, sadly, sadly, we still have a lot of them around today. And, 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 and the fact of the matter is we have changed their title from Judaizers and we now call them legalists. Legalist, salvation, something other than grace. You've got to be baptized in order to be saved. You've got to do this, this, and this. You've got to keep this, this, and this. When the fact of the matter is, you have to trust Christ and it's his blood on the cross that saved you. And, and that is repentance within itself. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, we, well, you know, we say, well, f- folks can, they walk away. Yeah, and Jesus is there. When you walk away, he's still there. And the reason I know that is because he comes and lives inside of you and he doesn't depart because you do something. And, and when you walk away, he's not mad at you. He misses you. You remember that. If you don't remember anything else I say, he's not mad at you. He just misses you. And he's always there drawing you back, always there pulling you back in the fold, always there, always there. They were Judaizers, and these folks then and these folks now, they want to confuse salvation by grace with Christian service. They want to confuse salvation by grace with, with righteous living. We all ought to be involved in Christian service. We all, let me go on record, ought to try our best to live a righteous life. But you're not saved by your Christian service and you're not saved by your righteous life. Because all your righteousness is as filthy rags and all your service is nothing in the sight of God to the service that Christ provided for you on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. We are saved by grace and and grace alone. Christ plus a list of do's and don'ts is what they want you to believe, and yet that is not what the Scripture teaches for salvation. But we are not saved by performance or behavior. We are saved 
Thank God we are saved by the grace of God and putting our faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. My brother makes a statement. He says, we're saved by believing. Believing he, he is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. By the grace of God, he saves you if you repent and call upon his name. <clears throat> These Judaizers literally followed Paul wherever he went and tried to steal followers from his churches and, and turn them into Jewish uh, uh, people that followed the law. The letter, if you read it, the letter to the church of Galatia was written to combat these types of evil works and tactics that was taking place during Paul's time. And sadly, we still have these practices taking place today, folks within the church that confuse works, service, church membership, baptism, and all this with salvation by grace. <coughs> One of those young men, one of those old men, he's my age, a friend, I spoke with after the funeral Friday evening. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, Randy, I was christened as a young child. I don't even remember it in the Catholic Church. But a few years ago, I felt the need to put my faith and trust in Christ. And he said, I just feel like I'm not complete because I haven't been baptized. I said, that's true but it doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you've never followed and confessed your faith openly in believer's baptism. He said, to be honest with you, this is the first time I've said anything to anybody about it. He said, but I, feel, I just feel a need. I said, yeah, you need to get baptized. That's the first step. It's called, that's why it's called believer's baptism. But you're saved, and you just need to be baptized, just like you need to take communion because it's an ordinance of the church. And he said, I understand now. And that's when he said, would you come down sometime? We find a creek or go to the ocean. I said, yeah, you just make sure that we do this, you know, in the middle of January, February, so that I, you know, I, I get to at least take advantage of some of the weather. And, and that is just an awesome. But, folks, th there's people and denominations that really need to be careful, can can confusing the gospel of grace with works and Christian service. Um, because Paul in Galatians 1, when he, he was talking to, to them about these Judaizers, he, he makes a statement in verses 6 through 9. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from whom from him who called you to grace of Christ. It gets even more pointed. To a different gospel. In other words, it's, it's not the truth. It's a different gospel that they're preaching. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven. Now you think about that. If we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than, that, than what we have preached to you now, let him be accursed. Wow. 
As we have said before, and I now say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. He repeated it with obviously giving it more meaning. Folks that are, there is a very intentional strong language in that for a reason for these folks that were trying to destroy these young Christians. And folks that teach and preach from this book are going to be held accountable someday, especially when it comes to the doctrine of grace. There are those that speak of grace that are still today Judaizers and legalists. It's always Christ plus something else. No, it's Christ alone, grace alone. This Bible is the inspired word of God, and folks need to take it serious and understand. You say, well, they're just confused. They're only confused because they don't read it for themselves. They listen to what someone else has taught what someone else has preached, what someone else has said or written down rather than reading it for themselves. When the gospel is defined specifically in 1 Corinthians 15 as the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and we're told to simply believe in the gospel, in other words, in Christ's death as paying the price for our sins, and God accepts that, and they twist it to something else, then they're going to be held accountable. <clears throat> Let me... Uh, I, I, I think the fact of the matter is Paul wanted the church in Jerusalem to see the fruits of their missionary efforts is one of the reasons he wanted to go back himself. And I personally think if we are contributing money to some cause, whether it's our missions, whether it's the CMO here at the community center in Chesapeake, whether it's the city mission, the, the Ironton city mission, whether it's our missionaries, wherever they are all over the world today, I am personally am of the opinion you ought to know where your money's going and what it's going for. I'm, and and the, the area of Christian giving is one in my mind that is in grave danger today. Um, I do not believe you should give to any work, any work, unless you know for sure two things about it. Two things. It's, it's very simple. The, what is, it, what, what is that organization or that individual doing with your money? And second, is it getting out the word of God and reaching the lost with the true gospel of Christ? And, 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 and if it's not, then you shouldn't be supporting it. It's one of the, the you know, it's one of the reasons when I first became pastor of this church, I had every one of our missionaries in and, and that we support to come and speak to us 
because it what I'm I'm going to be held accountable someday for what recommendations I make to this church about who we support. And those recommendations of those individuals was already set. So I wanted for myself, if we were going to continue to give, to know what they believed, what the money was going for, and was it preaching the true gospel and reaching the lost. Brother Dan can tell you, we had Dale and Jeannie in. I sat in, the, in, in his motor coach for two hours and had a personal conversation with Dale Daly. I, I sat with John Fox and Todd Kincaid and others that we support with G. And, and, and I can go on and on. Patrick. And I wanted to know that they were reaching lost people. It's, it's one of the reasons that I loved when Patrick used to bring his converts with him and, and we got to hear their testimony. It's, it's the reason that, that, that we support Calvin Ray. He probably has more people, him and Brian, saved in a year's time than most churches combined throughout the tri-state area because they're reaching the lost with the gospel. We may not agree with everything everybody does with all their kind of denominational or their camp's beliefs, but they're reaching folks with the gospel and they're getting saved. And, and Paul here, it, it gives, you know, gives us that insight. And I, I'm just always going to hedge my funds to those that are seeing people saved. Once I give to this church, the tithe that goes to the church, then I'm going to support people like Franklin Graham that has, you know, a couple million people saved every year because they're reaching folks with the gospel. And, and then he closes in these last few verses by speaking of blessing, joy, peace, and the will of God. There are some that think Paul was out of the will of God. Um, in fact, uh, for returning to Jerusalem where he was arrested and imprisoned and taken to Rome. And, and it's very easy. It's very easy when trouble comes and, and things look dark to be doubtful and, and say, I must be out of the will of God. It, it's easy. It's even easier to say that when it's somebody else. Well, they're out of the will of God. Look what's happening in their life, you Pharisee and hypocrite. <laughs> My friend, just because you have trouble and disturbance in life does not mean you are out of the will of God. It may, in fact, be proof you are in the will of God. Um, if you are living in, in, in a perfect, calm world... Uh, all the time with no dis disruptions from the enemy. Um, <laughs> nothing's ever happening and no one's being saved and all's just perfect. The chances are you are not in the will of God. Uh, Paul is, you know, is simply laying his heart bare here. As we see in his closing, the, the closing chapter will we'll finish next week. He solemnly and earnestly and with a serious tone is, is requesting prayer. I beg of you, he said. And so he knew what he was getting himself into. 
and and <laughs> when he returned to the to the place where he caused such a ruckus. He knew it wasn't going to be easy to convince this church in Jerusalem that he was an apostle doing the right thing because he had been... Per- I'm sure folks were looking over their shoulder when he was in the room. They wondered why he was back. And, and he knew that his life would be put in jeopardy by these religious rulers. He, by faith, was returning, which, you know... We, we don't hear much about that because life has its ups and downs. And he personally wanted to hand this gift to the church in Jerusalem. And in spite of him, after this happens, spending two years in a prison in Caesarea and shipwrecked and snakebite and all that you see, stoned, left for dead, all that you see happen, arriving in chains, when he got back to Rome, as he said, I'm, I'm going to come by way of Spain back to you. That never happened that we have record of. Many folks think he did because they believe that he, he ventured clear into England. And that's where, you know, some of the church and those reformers um, really received the gospel and a true doctrine rather than what came from the Catholic church. And, and yet, we have no record, but when arriving in chains in Rome, he said, I came in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, if you're out of the will of God, you don't come in the joy of the Holy Spirit. You come in the chastening conviction of your sin and where you're at in life, and God gives you a troubled heart. And so Paul said, I came in the joy of the Holy Spirit, and all of us, sitting in this room and listening today, need to have that same kind of joy in our lives. And it ought to be a barometer, a barometer of where you're at spiritually when trouble comes as to whether or not you're living a life of joy. I'm not talking a happiness, I'm talking joy. You, you may be in a place you're not very happy in life right now. There's some, I, I'll guarantee you, I poll these folks sitting here this morning from Bethesda. They're going to tell you I'm not in a real happy place right now. But you can still have joy because your joy is in the Lord Jesus Christ, not your joy is in where you're at right now in your life. God is still working in you and through you, and your testimony is vibrating throughout the people and your past to those that you've left behind by doing what you're doing now. Believe you me, I know. I had a dozen of folks that that Friday evening come and say, you don't understand what the ministry of Big Branch Church is to the folks of your classmen that you went to school with and those that you've reached. We, we can live in joy, maybe not happiness all the time, but my joy is in the Lord. I told Brother Huron this morning, you know, uh, uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That doesn't mean I want to go on the next load, but bless God, I'm joyful. That's why I believe funer- funerals ought to be a celebration rather than a, 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 a huge mourning. The Bible says that, that, you know, of those that have no hope, we have hope as Christians. So, Paul told Timothy, 
I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Oh, how I wish we could understand and act as Paul did here. Because this all is a trail together of the beginning of the end for the Apostle Paul. And here, his attitude, his emotions, his determination was to keep on keeping on. All the stuff that had happened in his life did not deter him. Facing what he knew he was facing did not deter him from doing what was right. You may get knocked down, you may stumble, you may sin, but there's a provision of forgiveness that brings the joy when you confess and say, God, I know I've sinned. Help me to get back up and start all over again. Dust off. It's not what it takes to knock you down. It's what it takes to get you up that is meaningful in your life. And here Paul, in such an example, and we'll see he goes through and name by name by name by name, which I will not try to pronounce next week, gives thanks and joy for the folks in his life that helped him to get back up and do what he done for the cause of Christ. Let's stand.